0: Hope
1: Recorded live.
0: Welcome to Law Students in Court podcast series. You're listening to another episode of Water Cooler Conversations. My name is Ananda Leek, and I am the Digital Communications Director for Law Students in Court. Today, I'm speaking with my colleague, Sima Lee. Sima has been all over the place in the month of June, and since it's July 1st, we're going to have Sima, tell you some insights about what she's been doing, what she's been learning. Sima, how are you today?
1: I'm good. A little bit tired from hopping around on buses and trains, but I'm happy uh, to be able to move about and uh, and just good times right now, um, connecting with people. All right. Last
0: week, you and our very talented videographer Taylor Hall, who's also a community organizer and a fellow Peace House member participated in the National LGBTQ Task Force Brown Bag Lunch. I was there, thought it was phenomenal, but can you tell our listening audience what you all talked about?
1: Uh, yes, we were um, in a room full of really enthusiastic interns. Um, some were uh, organizers uh, as far as social justice work. Others were uh, legal, uh, legal um, students and doing interns uh, across Washington, D.C. for the summer. Um, And it was a great opportunity to be able to talk to uh, all these bright faces that were very enthusiastic about uh, doing the work uh, to make our world just a little bit better. So um, I spoke about Food, Clothing, and Resistance Collective, which is the organization that is a community outreach group for the Peace House. Um, And I spoke about our mission of engagement, radical organizing. Uh, We spoke about our free schools that we have and free stores that serve the community. Um, Collaborations that we have with law students in court, with expungement clinics, legal clinics, handing out information on barring notices, housing discrimination, knowing your rights. Um, uh, We touched on work with the LGBTQ community, intersectional work, intergenerational work. We touched on restorative justice. we touched on a lot of things, colonialism, patriarchy, sexism, racism, um, platforms of privilege, what does it look like when we want to transform things um, and how do we get to that point, the dialogues that we need to have. In a gist, wow. that was some of what we talked about. I know that was a lot. That was just, a a gist, little. Just, just a little. what we
0: about.
1: Just a little. <laughs>
0: just a little. What were some of the key takeaways from the Brown Bag Lunch?
1: Well, I, I learned from this wonderful group, And um, I want to thank Linda for inviting Taylor and I. It's also an incredible uh, organizer uh, with LGBTQ uh, Task Force, Uh, does a lot of work with uh, not just LGBTQ uh, queer and trans work, but also um, 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 disability uh, work and disability rights and highlighting autism and other spectral um, uh, spectral disorders. Many people who are involved with legal and social justice work want spaces to connect build on ideas, expand horizons, and to attack systems of oppression. And they're just reaching out and looking. And it just so happened that all of those people were looking for what they were going to do after they graduated and how do they connect with other people who feel the same way that that they feel. So we offered them an opportunity for us all to get together at separate moments um, outside of the setting that we were in to just brainstorm and to continue the dialogue past the brown bag lunch. Um, to doing volunteer work. Um, People had skill sets, and we were able to sort out who had what skill sets so that uh, everyone could come together, and even though they're only here for a few months, uh, just to be able to do as much as they can, and maybe that will help them uh, figure out the path that they want as far as social justice work and as as well as legal work. And it was just a blessing to be there, and it was really motivational. I think we inspired each other. Uh, The group inspired me, and I thought um, I had some things to offer the group as well as Taylor. So um, I look forward to actually being able to collaborate with some of those interns.
0: Awesome. Well, one of the things that I want to say is that after the brown bag lunch was over, the conversation continued. We were still there much later talking one-on-one with the interns and some of the staff of the National LGBTQ Task Force. Just it was a, really a really very
1: powerful day. day. And and actually that that is true. It was wonderful. And on on the average, that's typically what happens at the Peace House. Uh, we gave a background of our history and how, how we've been around for quite some time in the Washington DC area. We're one of the very last collective houses and that's why we, we invited all of them to come, because it's quite typical for us to have types of gatherings where people of different ethnicities and backgrounds and capabilities and abilities and disabilities and, and just acknowledgments and coming together uh, to do creative work, uh, cultural work, organizing humanitarian work. And um, we'll stay around and have those types of conversations at the peace House quite often, and some of the greatest collaborations come out of that. So I, I was very happy to be able to plug into that. And I'm glad you were there, Ananda. Um, I'm glad your energy was there. We're going to have to get you to the Peace House, Ananda.
0: <laughs> Most definitely. You know that's coming. That's coming. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a absolutely. Whole, everybody, that's a whole other conversation. That's, <laughs> a, that's coming, and we're going to put that out there. If not this summer, it will definitely happen in the fall for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. So you went to New York to attend the LGBTQ Pride Weekend and there were so many things that happened from the President of the United States, President Obama naming something official, I'm not going to give it all away, to being in New York honoring the folks um, that lost their lives in Orlando to just being in community with the LGBTQ community in New York. Tell us about your experiences and the events you attended, and any takeaways. Right. Um,
1: yes. Well, um, for those who aren't aware, uh, NYC Pride stemmed from the June twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine Stonewall Rebellion, um, and ever since afterwards. Uh, the, the celebration has only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. But to remind people that it wasn't just a celebration, it was a rebellion, and it was organizing, and it was revolutionary at the time, and it still is. Um, and so now Stonewall has been declared uh, a national monument as a testimony to all of those people uh, who uh, put their lives on the line. Um, to have freedom uh, uh, in their gender identity and their sexual orientation, to just live as a human being, and so it was a blessing to be in New York City. It was it was it was bittersweet. It was wonderful as well as it was sad because of the tragedy that happened um, in Orlando. But I was blessed to be able to march with the Caribbean contingency, which meant a lot to me because of many of the laws uh, that are in in in, in active excuse me, that are in act in uh, Caribbean places um, that violate um, the freedom of LGBTQ communities, um, criminalizing who they love, right? criminalizing their gender identity. So I was in the Caribbean contingency. We danced, we protested. Um, it was beautiful to see so many people from all over the world um, to show defiance, um, to show resilience, um, I was also able before Pride to attend the wedding of two Black queer radical organizers from the New York City area, uh, from two very prominent organizations, Arcus Foundation and the Anti-Violence Project, who are on the forefront of doing work um, right now, actually, and before uh, Pulse, um, intersectional work for queer and trans people of color, um, and making sure that we're not erased and that we're we're, we're we're visible. So to be able to go to their their wedding and their union and see organizers from across the country before Pride, that was a blessing in and of itself. And um, uh, what can I say? If people have never gone to Pride, I just say they should just try to go uh, because, and and in particular New York City Pride, since that is, um, you know, the the one that really struck uh, the blow um, that reverberates to this day, we still have more and more Prides that are opening up all over the world where people are trying to not just celebrate culture but resist collectively. So
0: it was a blessing
1: to be able to attend that, to march in the parade, to connect with other organizers, to celebrate, to mourn. Um, I did a lot of dancing, a lot of singing, shed some tears, threw my fist in the air, and it's beyond just the corporatization um, of it where a lot of people will attend the Pride who who just are there really for their own monetary gains. Co- companies, you know, will come, and they have no real connection to the community other than exploiting the community. You know, law enforcement was there, which was very controversial because we know statistically law enforcement attacks the LGBT community um, and, and, and targets them for um, higher rates of criminalization. So um, it, lots of conversations were had about, uh, where we are now in, in 2016, where Pride is going, and, and yes, it has gotten more commercial, and, and um, but it still is a moment for defiance and for people to come together and, and uh, to resist, and um, I was glad to be a part of it.
0: I have one extra question because I saw this online. There was a New York City police car that was um, mm. turned into a LGBTQ Pride supporter.
1: Right. In anyway
0: because it had the the colors of the flag. Yeah. Did you see any of those cars, and how did it make you feel?
1: Well, I have to be honest; I was infuriated. And again, um, this is because, and, and especially in New York City, um, you know, the reason that Stonewall is a national monument now is because the police attacked and beat queer and trans people in particular queer and trans people of color who helped lead the, the, the rebellion, uh, uh, Sylvia Rivera and, uh, you know, Marsha and, 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 and Marsha P. Johnson and Storme de la Verie, these are queer and trans people of color who, who led this rebellion and were getting their heads cracked. In. And statistically, that's still happening. The criminalization of, 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 of um, you know, black and Latina trans women in New York City and all across the country, um, the rapes. Um, the beatings, the harassment. I mean, right now there are people pressing charges against um, the police for just recently, after at a Pulse protest, um, the, the NYPD attacked a group of, of trans, queer, and, and allies and broke someone's leg. So to do things like that on a consistent basis and to intimidate and put fear into the community and then to feel that you can just. You know gloss it over by turning your car into a rainbow flag symbolizes what happens every day like the community in general, even though we're celebrating we're we're very much aware that there are people who are exploiting our pain who are also oppressing us at the same time and so many of us were vocal, some people opted not to go, some people chose to protest myself i i I was very vocal when they went by, and I was saying things to them to let them know that I felt that their representation was was not. Um, it was not safe. They did not They do not cause uh, a lot of people to feel safe, and they need to change that before they come into our parade. So, I, yes, I mm-hmm. saw it. I thought it was very controversial. A lot of people were upset. Not everyone, but a lot of people were, especially those who have been victimized by the New York
0: City mm-hmm. police. Well, thank you for sharing. Absolutely. So you ended the month of June at the Queer Brown Voices program. Can you tell us yes. about that? Uh, well,
1: queer brown voices was put on by the D.C. Public Library. Um, specifically, it was at Mount Pleasant Library, and it was a, it, queer brown voices is an anthology. It's an author talk of uh, LGBT Latino lat, uh, Latin Latino Latina, um, uh, voices. Um, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering a bit. I'm trying to you know get through a lot of information, but uh, it featured uh, Leticia Gomez, Jose Gutierrez, Salvador Vidal Ortiz. Um, moderated by Lucibethviera um it pre- it was presented in partnership with the rainbow history project and which is basically collecting the stories of queer and trans people um while we can um and, and, and it was funny because um the crowd was a very mixed crowd there a lot of young people it seemed to be a lot of students out there and I felt like this was a a great time for a, such an event to be had um uh, they spoke a lot of, there they were humorous stories, funny stories, sad stories, inspirational stories. Uh, they spoke of private parties and fiestas. Um, D.C., um, before gentrification and how the community looked and how how uh, after gentrification it has dramatically changed and has affected the LGBTQ community as many people are being pushed out into PG County and other areas. Um, they spoke of um, how nightclubs, are often community centers for LGBTQ community, and especially in the Latino or Latina community. Um, they spoke of um, Pulse and uh, nightclub, and there was an, uh, another Pulse, um, uh, excuse me, nightclub that had um, also um, been in the area. And um, one of the last lesbian bars on the East Coast recently being um, closed. Um, they spoke of the attack in the capital of uh, Mexico's Gulf Coast co-state verticals um, on May 21st where a gay bar was attacked and seven people were killed, 12 were wounded, and how that has not been talked about. They spoke about the erasure of um, Latino people in the middle of the tragedy after Pulse and how um, predominantly white LGBTQ uh, organizations have a history of um, using the tragedies and the struggles and co-opting the struggles of people of color, but not yet necessarily – um, acknowledging them as individuals and human beings outside the spectrum of that, um, as far as um, getting them to speak for themselves, um, paying them, <laughs> you know, hiring them, and actually centering their voices and instead of speaking and parenting for them. Um, it was so many stories. I, I wish I could elaborate even more because it was one of them. It, it was the last day of the June month of Pride, and it was such a powerful event to go to a packed room and the stories were incredible of preserving culture, the need for community, the need for safe spaces, and how that's drastically changing right now and, and how we need those safe spaces again, how we're at some of the biggest prize in the world now, but our communities are shrinking and, and vulnerable and still at risk, and, and just the need to come together and how, um, you know, just we have so much work to be done and, and so many stories to preserve. And I even put my name down to actually maybe possibly share some stories um, myself with the anthologies that they have and the collections that they have because it is important that we uh, pass on our history and our legacies to other people who, like one of the things, the common things they said was, it's important to see others who are just like you. And I agree because I, I, I felt that all of my life looking for representation that might not be on the television, that might not be on print, that might not even be on the radio. So um, it was important to attend to show not just solidarity, but it's an intersectional reality that we're trying to um, attack the same structural oppressions, and it, and, and it works when we do it together. Um, so uh, it was a beautiful night. Elders, like Racine Pendarvis, came out and told stories of queer life in D.C. and the history and the struggle of HIV-AIDS and, and before and after um uh, before it was even talked about really when they didn't even mention it by name and then after and what that looks like now. Um, just an incredible event, and um, I'll definitely be going to more like that.
0: Well, I'm glad that you were able to go, and I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that you're going to share your story. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. It's so important. I have a lot of them. <laughs> yes. I know you do, but it's so important. I always say, that everybody has a story or a series of stories, and you may think that your story is like, oh, well, who cares? Well, there's somebody. Even if it touches one person's life, there's somebody that needs to hear hear that. And right. they'll pass it on, and they'll continue to pass it on. So that's, uh, that's amazing. As we wrap up, I'd like for you to tell us what's up for you. In July and August, and the rest of the year, you got some great things happening.
1: Yes. Um. Well, um, doing a lot of planning and running around when you're a community organizer for law students in court, and when you're a member of the Peace House, and uh, you run your own organization Food Clothing Resistance Collective. It's a lot of running around. Um, I'm now. I'm going to be working with Trauma Free DC and doing a lot of healing a restorative justice work, and we're going to be co- connecting that to the Peace House and law students in court. Um, also talking with some veteran organizers, queer and trans organizers in the D.C. area um, to have queer and trans people of color panels and gatherings uh, possibly hosted at UDC and the Peace House. Working on some law students in court expungement clinic work, getting getting another one set up um, so that we can assist the community in getting their records cleared so that they can move forward in life. Um, we have some cannabis event fundraisers coming up, um, not just for fun, but also to, to educate people on, on on cannabis health benefits, holistic healing, um, and and their legal rights. Uh, we'll be doing food and water drive operations coming up very soon. If people aren't aware, uh, there are articles out, and they've been out for quite some time. But that Washington D.C. lead levels are in our water is so atrocious that they say that it's almost as bad or worse, actually, than the Flint crisis. So that is something that we have to work on. And um, um, I'll be doing DNC coverage in Philly.
0: (laughs) So um,
1: it's a lot. And that's just some of the things, um, in addition to working on homelessness and and housing rights and the gentrification movement, anti-gentrification movement consistently going on in D.C. Um, it's a lot going on. And if I misspoke and mispronounce any names, it's only, blame it on jet lag and a lot of travel, but uh, it's a lot of things that are coming up as we continue to move forward uh, with restorative justice and community organizing. And I'm just very happy to be a part of C's team to be able to uh, continue um, throughout this summer um, uh, connecting to the community.
0: Well, we are really proud of you and really excited one of the things I wanted to just reiterate is just how powerful it is that you had the time and the energy and the willingness to be certified by the mental health aid did i get it right organization yes mental
1: health first aid yes yes, yes. uh that yes that was incredible and um i i did take it uh, i i urge people to look into it to google mental health first aid USA because there are often very cheap or free courses where you can get uh, mental health first aid certification, and it's good for a few years, and it helps you to be able to deal with a mental health crisis. And it was great to be able to go to that training and get that. Um, As a community organizer, we're in a lot of situations where we see a lot of crisis, to be honest, and it's good to know how to be able to deal with those situations until professionals can come in uh, to stabilize the situation. Um, So um, I urge everyone to get connected with, with that group. The trainings are really great information, and you feel empowered afterwards.
0: Awesome. Well, as always, it is a pleasure to chat with you about all of your work, all of your travel adventures. I know that the month of July is going to be even greater than June. I'm putting it out there. Awesome. And we look we look forward to having you back on the on the water cooler conversations series. I can't wait to be
1: back with more stories for you.
0: Can you tell everybody some uh, um, where they can find information about the Peace House and the Food Clothing and Resistance? Did I get it right? Collective.
1: Yes. Uh, food Clothing and Resistance Collective is on Facebook and Twitter. The Peace House is on Facebook and Twitter, and if you add a, and I will say that those are the best ways to reach us. Just look us up on Facebook and Twitter. Add us on. We are constantly updating information. We're constantly putting on events. If you add on and, and, and message us, we'll be able to add you to our list serves, and that way you'll be able to get email updates from the different events. If you would like to come host a class, um, if you want to host an event, if you just want to come out and talk to some some people who are just giving their all for the community, uh, it's a safe space. Um, there is no hatred um, or intolerance tolerated, I should say. So, um, yes, look us up on Facebook, Food, Clothing, and Resistance Collective and the Peace House. And this is the Peace House in Washington, D.C.
0: All right. Well, everybody, I want to encourage you to do a few things before we let you go. Visit our website at dclawstudents.org and sign up for our blog so you can stay updated on what we're doing. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dclawstudents. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LSICjustice and connect with us on LinkedIn. Thanks again, Sima and everybody. Have a great day